obviously controversial start. No jingle again or no intro. Maybe a little jingle. <laughs> we'll see what comes out in the editing. How are you, Nikki Moffat? Well, Kirsty, I am fine, thank you. I have seen a post-COVID world and its name is Copenhagen. <laughs> I've seen it in my own eyes. Now, this fascinates me because I remember people getting very, very cross about um, a certain podcast with two women, not ours, but an Australian podcast where one of them used the phrase post-COVID world and there was an uproar from overseas listeners saying, how can they talk about a post-COVID world when it's everywhere? Are you telling me there is a post-COVID world in Copenhagen? Well, what I'm saying is, for months and months, I've been looking at potential post-COVID worlds or <laughs> no-COVID worlds on my social media feeds, and it seems all very unrealistic. And then I went on the weekend to Copenhagen. Um, we moved my husband into some new temporary accommodation, and I went to check out the new flat that we've signed a lease on, and basically there was no COVID there because they've done away with pretty much all their restrictions and yeah it, it's I've seen the future, the future and is, looks... that, is that Nikki because they have a high vaccination rate or how have they managed to pull it off well it's an interesting question you ask Kirsty I think it's a lot to do with the Euro um, soccer <laughs> event happening and uh also the graduation uh season so it's it's quite interesting i took a lot of footage for anyone that follows the instagram my instagram um of the graduation trucks in the on the weekend in copenhagen and these are are a, a scandinavian country tradition i've had many people um come back to me and explain but basically all the graduates of one particular class from one particular school decorate like a big cattle truck, put themselves all into the back of it, wear their little um, seafaring graduation hats that actually have um, ribbon around it that show what area they're going into. So if they're going into economics or hairdressing or whatever, they have different colour bands around them. And then they drive this truck around all day drinking and there's a lot of party music and they beep the horn a lot and Everybody on the street stops and waves them. Little kids, adults, old people, people on bikes. <laughs> everyone stops and waves to them. And then this truck goes to each house of every person on the truck. And they all get off the truck. And I can only imagine what they they have a small thing to eat or drink to keep them going on their wow. merry way. And then they all pile back onto the truck. So are you telling me like... like- grandmas and and toddlers and small people are all like wavy and smiling look at all the drunk people yay happy you and are they is it more of a or or are they wavy and smiling at look at all the graduates clever clever you or is it is that what it's meant to be they're going with graduates clever clever you you're right okay (laughs) but but everybody doesn't knows that the graduates happen to be you know 10 beers deep into the day Uh, well yes and they a lot of them have they they make big signs and hang them on the side of the truck and they have sort of sort of questionable statements on them (laughs) they're just things that might be 
not all questionable, you know, obviously. And the um, international school ones have like flags of all the different countries and it's all very festive. But I, I just wanted to, I was commenting on that because last year Denmark was the only country that didn't cancel their graduation trucks. So even though Sweden was very famous for having no COVID restrictions, they cancelled the graduation trucks. Uh-huh. Um, and they cancelled them in all the other Scandinavian countries except Denmark never cancelled. So last year they had them and this year they had them. So all their COVID COVID graduates have the same experience. Isn't it funny how countries hold on? You know, you, COVID showed us so much of what countries hold dear, like what they just couldn't imagine living without, right? Um, for Australia, I think you would say it was football and rugby, <laughs> if you looked from afar, of yeah. that got, you know, like I think you and I were having a discussion yesterday about numbers and and you pointed out a news article where um a family had been medivaced in from i think they came from singapore via jakarta but they'd been medivaced in and they were all um covid positive and uh, all with the delta strain and you would have thought that that really would have been the lead story in every you know, newspaper and and um, press conference. Now, I happened to watch every press conference yesterday, which I don't usually do for mental health reasons, but I did yesterday because I am in the situation of my husband is meant to be getting on a plane in the next 24 hours. So we, of course, are trying <gasps> oh. very hard to keep a lid on it and not get excited. We're not talking about it out loud. We've, we've all said we're not getting excited until he is on that plane. But at this stage, flight hasn't been cancelled. He's woken up. It's the morning of for him. And so he his uh, police clearance has come through from the South Australian government. But we all know that how this works is he could get to the airport tonight and they would just say, bad luck, right? So we're all trying to stay very calm and manage our expectations but of course we've just had you know a COVID outbreak in Australia this week and borders have shut left right and centre and you know everything was leading towards you know caps on international travellers and all the rest of it and so I did watch the press conference thinking well if they say we're not letting anyone in from into I need to know but yes, but really what the main question was that every journalist kept asking was how is this going to work for the football? How is this going to work for the football? Will there be a crowd at the football? <laughs> what about the football players that are in this state that need to get to this state? How will you do that? How will you make that happen? <laughs> and surprisingly, the other thing that people were quite hot on was the family who had contracted COVID who had been the case. So it's a family of five. He was a minor. He worked in a different state. He's flown home. He's COVID positive without – he's done a negative test, but, you know, whatever. And their whole thing was they've just been moved into a Medi hotel and people were very concerned about their dog, how it was going to work for their dog, who's looking <laughs> after the dog. <laughs> The whole thing. So, yes, I just think it's really interesting, different countries. You know, I think that should be a question in the two fat expat group. Like, what what was it from your country? Like, what did you see? Like, what would you say was Germany's thing that they couldn't do without, that they really, really wanted to happen? 
Yeah, I, I would say they really tried to make Christmas markets happen and, and not the traditional Christmas markets where there's hundreds of thousands of people, but just like where you stop on a street corner and buy a glue vine. Like that's yeah. so part of getting through winter. And and everyone really started out trying that and then it just just wasn't working because people were like, oh, look, here's a tiny chink in the congregation armour. Yes. And so it never sort of really took off. So all the little hopeful um, wooden huts on street corners <laughs> opened for a couple of days and then yeah. had to shut down again. And, and I would say, I mean, there's probably some other things. I mean, no, I would say 100% German Germany did not give up their Abitur, which is their, that's their final two years of school and their exams. So uh-huh. they really, last year they did, oh, I don't know now, I'm going to be, telling a lie this year they were 100% never going to give it up and that's why the IB students in Germany had to sit the exams because the the rule globally was if your country is sitting exams then you as a student in that country will sit exams and so Uh I really think the Christmas markets and the Abitur this year were really super important to to Germany and the culture and the and the process so yeah Nikki, speaking of Christmas and heading straight to our fat expat question, mine to you is, will expats be returning, inverted commas, home for Christmas in 2021? What are your thoughts? Well, it's a big time of year for expats, particularly those in the Southern Hemisphere, because they tend to, that's the longer break in the summer and they tend to go. I would say given in... Uh, developed countries that the vaccination rates are toddling along quite well, that a majority of expats will plan to return home for Christmas unless those expats are from Australia and New Zealand. Because I still don't think there's going to be any hope of that. I mean, we had the conversation last week, if the borders were open, would you go? And I said, I I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to think about it because I just don't think it's going to happen. So I don't, Mm. I don't want to. Yeah. (laughs) I would love to go home. We we generally try and go every second Christmas. And and the last time we went was Christmas 2019. So we were super lucky that Mm -hmm. we were there just before this whole thing kicked off. So I have no issue with that. And you see people coming and going into Australia all the time. That's great for the people that can do it. But Christmas is a huge uplift in terms of you know people wanting to get to go and get in and I just don't think it's on the cards for yeah. uh, for Australians for many Australians yeah I could be wrong I agree with you I think I have just sort of watched friends in Qatar because summer has you know summer has has arrived in the Middle East and I would say the majority of Americans have gone home um and you know compared yeah sort of to last year and and Brits and and elsewhere and some people have had to do a little bit of quarantine um when if we're talking about the UK but in America uh no it's been like a simple exercise really to uh get back to the states I'm I'm interested because I'm obviously in all of those quarantine Australian sites because I've got a vested interest um, and I, I have been fascinated to see how many Australian families have have come in and said, you know, we'll be quarantining again for two weeks in the hotel, 
you know, last time, you know, because their questions are, last time we stayed at the such and such hotel, uh, which hotel do you think we should try to get this time? And I've been completely bamboozled by how that works because to me how, how I believe it works is you arrive in and you don't know which hotel you're going to go to and you spend 14 days in a quarantine hotel and you pay I think Nikki is it four thousand dollars to stay in the quarantine hotel it depends I think I believe it's different by state but it's about uh between three and four thousand dollars yes and so for us we are if if it goes ahead that Greg gets in he will be able to work from the hotel this time but of course, Qatar, everybody's back to work. In Greg's office, 98% of his workforce is vaccinated. And so everybody's back in the office. And so they really like having people back in the office. So while he may be able to work from home this time, he definitely wouldn't be able to at Christmas. So he would be looking at not only paying $4,000 for the privilege of spending 14 days in a hotel but he would spend he would use up two weeks of his holiday leave to do so and I just don't think you can do that do you know I don't when I think about it and I'm trying you know once again not to think too far in the future because you don't you don't know how it's going to look but I, I someone said to me yesterday oh well maybe all of you could go to him at Christmas. And it's like, <laughs> sorry, sorry. And it's like, well, then the five of us would quarantine. So that'd be 20K, as well as, you know, probably the, you know, 20K in airfares. Tickets. And I have two children who have casual jobs that get them through university the summer period being the time where they really make their money that, you know, that lasts them through. So no, that, that doesn't work either. Um, oh, Nikki, I have to say, um, I have to say, because this is an expat podcast and I, and I know that our listeners are expats, I can have my little moan now, but one of the reasons I cannot speak about Greg coming and going is just the questions I get asked or the statements people make, where it isn't the eternal eye roll of, but he won't have to do quarantine. He's been vaccinated. No, and then you you have to tell people how it works. And after you've told people how it works twenty times, because you have it, you've you virtually have the same conversation again and again and again. How's Greg? How's Greg feeling? How's Greg's health? When is Greg coming home? And then off it starts, you know, with the whole well, we don't know and what we're hoping. But he won't have to, he won't have to quarantine, will he? Though he's been vaccinated. No, this is the whole reason there's forty thousand expats or Australian expats still you know, still wringing their still. hands. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Nikki. So I think yes, I think. Um, hallelujah for for many people not those in india probably um or but i think you're right in that possibly in europe those those people will return um home for christmas but i think for australians i did 
I did hear um, someone within the federal government yesterday say that they really hoped that by Christmas 70% of Australians would be vaccinated and if that was the case they would open their international borders. I think it would be more likely that people who'd been vaccinated may be able to quarantine at home. Um, But like you said, you don't even want to go there because I think we've all coped with so much disappointment, haven't we, over the last... I think... Yeah. Yeah. A lot of disappointment. And also uh, when you say people who are vaccinated may be able to quarantine at home... A lot of expats don't have a home. We don't have a home. Yes. So w- where would we be quarantining? Yeah. I mean, would we be quarantining in an Airbnb or a hotel? Or if you don't have a physical address to give them where you can guarantee something, do you have to still go to the hotel quarantine? <laughs> I mean, but you would. I there mean, are so you many unanswered you questions would... on that front. You personally, though, you would quarantine with either your father or your mother-in-law. Would you not or? Well, I don't know. I mean, do they feel comfortable with that? Uh-huh. I, I just, I, I mean, yeah, it exists, but it's it's about do you, are you, how does all that work? I just think that there are so many unanswered questions and I really hope the government's looking into that in detail at the moment. So when they have the press conference to announce home quarantine, they can answer all those questions. (laughs) And you're absolutely right with would your, uh, you know, I don't want to say elderly, but older parents, would would they feel comfortable in it in that, yes, they they will have been vaccinated. So you would hope that they wouldn't get sick even if you were to give them COVID because you'd somehow picked it up in transition. Before we go on, just say all best wishes to G and we'll all keep our fingers crossed. And by the time this podcast comes out, we'll know the answer. Okay, so on a non-COVID topic, Kirsty, in, in, in the post-COVID world to come, a little while ago in the group, someone put a question up and they said, when and how do you make a decision about when your kids will finish school, when and where they will finish school? And the person that posted said, you know, it's not spoken much about in expat circles, as in amongst her friends. And I piped up and said, look, I respectfully disagree. It's it's what I think it's spoken about all the time. And then she replied and said, yeah, okay, you, you could be right. It's just that we all, all have little kids, like preschool kids and early primary kids, whereas I have high school kids. So obviously my friends have kids the same age, her friends have kids their age, and they don't have the long-term planning. I know you're a planner, Kirsty, so I know you're going to have an answer to this question. When did you start thinking about when and where your kids would finish school? Oh. Probably when I strapped them into their baby seat on the way home from the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) As you said, I am a planner. I was constantly sort of thinking about the long game with the kids. So while they were doing the preschool and the um, elementary school, depending on what system you're in or the primary school or the whatever, uh, I think... I think I was very conscious of that I wanted them to finish their schooling in Australia. And I think initially, initially that feeling was all based on an expat myth of, can you remember, Nikki, years ago, people used to tell us that your children couldn't go to university in Australia unless they'd been to high school 
in Australia, like, or else they'd have to pay yes. as an international student. Yes. And that myth kind of got circulated throughout the expat world. And I think that's maybe what even started it, is being in Jakarta with a baby and thinking, well, we can't afford to pay international fees as, you know, whatever. But I, I really did sort of think we'd be back. And then as as time progressed and it was became obvious that we weren't going to be back, and then I just weighed up the option of, um, okay, you can either do a few years of boarding school and go into university having made existing friends at school in Australia or you can stay where you are um, in the international system and you will just start university fresh um, and and try and make friends there. And uh, I, I really do think because we were at, an American international school for those uh, elementary school years too, I did start to see the writing on the wall that a lot of my children's friends were making plans for university in America. And I was thinking, well, that is not an option for us. Do you know, I don't I don't um, want to have four kids in four different states in America and us in, in Qatar and, and Australia and that just won't work. So that probably pushed it a bit. The other thing about that I think if there's anyone out there who's Australian and and listening to this too is I think Australia has a bit of a crisis in their university system at the moment in that universities in Australia are losing their communities. Um, I think, you know, obviously in the US and, and anywhere, you know, the UK, wherever, South Africa, where they have a residential option to university you live in the university you make friends with the people you're living with there's great clubs and communities whereas um if you're in australia at the moment uh there is a huge conversation uh, between um i guess my generation who now have children at university talking about the difference it there is now with going to university in that my daughter got up the other day and went to do her university exam and she walked into her bedroom in her pyjamas and sat there and did her exam on her laptop in her bedroom. Uh, any of those lectures? Really? Yeah, any of those lectures that you... This is all thanks to COVID. But any of those lectures that you um, once attended, you can now watch them all online. You only have to attend your tutes. So you may only attend university for eight hours a week tops absolute tops and I'm being generous there um so I think there is a bit of a crisis in um Australian universities in the lack of community and I'm it's not a comment I'm making um off the cuff this is a conversation I've been having a lot because I obviously now have my second child at university and I think about it a lot so I think that's maybe one thing you want to consider as well i think if you're living in a residence and you um have you know a community within your residence that's fine because you're going to make friends where you're living and you're all going to go off together but i think if you are thinking i'm just going to plonk my child in a in a city and they they'll go there and they'll make friends i just don't think it's just don't think it's as easy as it was for us when we went to university um so yeah sorry I've made that way too long so I did I thought about it all the way through and I I we made a decision that it would be better that they 
um, went back for boarding school and made those connections so that when they got to university they had existing friendships. Yeah, so, I mean, I we always thought that we would be back in Australia in three years. So, uh <laughs> <laughs> But in are you are you happy with are you happy with the decision you've made? Uh, yes, I'm not unhappy with the decision that we've made, and I think it's the best for the situation that we're currently in. Yeah. So, however, I, and that's for for our first our oldest child. For our second, for our next child, it, it could be very different. And so, every day, I I wake up considering those options. But at the moment, she is happy to move to Copenhagen. She's happy to start school in grade nine and all. High school parents know grade nine is the worst year of school ever. Yes. At our school in Australia, they actually send all the year nines away for eight weeks because they're so horrible. (laughs) Well, had she gone to boarding school in Australia, the same thing happens in um, grade nine at the school that she was going to go to for the same reason. (laughs) But I'm hoping that um, this year's grade nine will be different uh, only because it will be the first time, hopefully, that everyone will be back in class and that people will have a slightly different attitude because they've had a, nearly a year out of school here in Europe. So hopefully being back in school face-to-face will make a difference for everybody and we can just avoid those difficult hiccups for a grade nine. Yeah. And we can go on from there. <laughs> See, here's a th- the, obviously the thing with COVID is, Nikki, you know, when my first child went away to school it was 2015 and honestly there was never any conversation of gee what would we do if there was a pandemic do you know it didn't it didn't (laughs) cross our minds now if we were in the COVID she would have just stayed with us and it would have been the best decision for us at the time do you know it would have just been right yeah and I'm sure we would have seen it as the right thing and she then probably would have gone and lived in residence here in Australia do you know because we would have tried to make her some sort of community here and I know that that's the case if you're at Melbourne University or Sydney University you know they have a great culture and whatever because there are a lot of kids that have come from elsewhere that come and do that um it just it's just the state that we're in but the whole thing about thinking about where you're kids would finish school I think is the expat thing I know for us when we were looking at junior school we were still you know we had so many options of whether they would go to the British school or the American school or the you know there was there was always so many Finally, there was never seemed to be an Australian school, um, although there was in. <laughs> That's because you were not in Hong Kong or Singapore. Yes, there always are Australian. There was an Australian there. school yeah. in Jakarta, but yeah, we did a we did the Canadian system, obviously, and did an international school in Canada. Um, in the US, we it was just American schooling, but yeah, I remember for me there was so much when they were younger there was so much thought about the sports that they would play and you know because they corresponded with the nationalities of the schools and what was available you know are they going to do cricket or netball or are they going to miss those things entirely because they were in a completely different culture but you know it all seems so important at the time and I you know you and I have this conversation often now that we've got to the other end is it does all come out in the wash I mean I think particularly with, with you Nikki with your uh, son is he he appears to have just thrived in 
this last year of the things he's been able to do and where you've got him. Yes, I mean it hasn't been easy, but it it it, it was the only and it was the only option for us at the time, but it it seems to have been worked out okay. Yeah. So for now. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I mean, and you don't know. And so, so what I would say to everybody who's who's thinking about it, it's great to be a planner. Be like Kirsty, and if you're not, it's okay to be like Nikki, and just like <laughs> have maintenance as it goes, because um, you know both things can work out for your children. It's not guaranteed disaster one way or another. Okay, Nikki, our bold statements of the week. So last week, I my bold statement was that I was going to go and find a photographer. Uh, to have some photos taken from the website and I did so I have found the photographer look at you I know so uh, I've, I've we had a huge chat stage one was I had to book in a time to talk to her on the phone and then she ran through sort of a whole um you know, this is how it would work, this is what we would do, this is what it would look like, whatever, and did put me at ease for other people that hate having their photo taken and the idea fills them with dread. I would suggest going and talking to someone. They will put your mind at ease. So, yes, I am booking it in to do that next month. But my bold statement for next week is that I have decided that I'm going to going to enroll in the next level of the wine and spirits education trust i had done level two and now i'm going to go and enroll to do level three so i'm going to i'm going to get online this week and enroll for that and hopefully start in august now hang on are you doing level you've done level two did you were you able to miss level one because you were already a wine drinker like how yes. you, what happened to level one so i had i'd been told by people you didn't you don't have to start at level one if you don't and a lot of people had said to me i reckon you can start at level two and in hindsight i wonder whether that was a good idea because you do remember i then <laughs> pat, you know had a Panic. conniption on the way home after doing the exam um so possibly i should have started at level one but i didn't start at level two um <laughs> Luckily, got a merit, so now I'm going to go to level three, which I think Perfect. is about 83 hours of study and 30 hours of you know practical work on the side. But yes, I get a little pin and a certificate, and I get to drink more wine. Fabulous! It sounds amazing. Uh, my bold statement was 30 minutes of exercise a day, and while doing that, to listen to my new book. The Mindful Way Through Depression. Um, and also to do five minutes a day of my um, Learning to Meditate app. Now, which I said was five minutes, but actually it turns out the daily Learning to Meditate seven-day course is 10 to 12 minutes a day. So I doubled my time there. I'm up to day six of seven. I, I do, as you know, have had some uh, a lot of... Um, catching up on five years of medical in the last week and a bit. So I haven't been as uh, as effective as I could have been there, but I have been doing meditation a little bit every day. I haven't finished my book yet, but I my bold statement of this week will be this weekend, my husband will be in town and we will work through some of the things. Now, now I've seen the apartment in Copenhagen, I am more... It's more front of mind that there will be some downsizing involved. So um, we're going to work through the kitchen and the playroom. Now, we will have a kitchen when we move, but, you know, I don't maybe need – I've got two cupboards of glasses that I 
don't think I've used one side of for the past five years. So I really have to have a look at that and say, do I need these? Of course, there's dinner parties and there's people having over, but then there's like, then they're all the extra ones. <laughs> so I think I need to have a good look through the kitchen and also the playroom. We won't have a playroom as such in our new house. And of course, our playroom here is mostly uh, electronic and TV and gaming, but we'll just sort of try and uh, go through that and make sure that it's all effectively sorted. So that will be my bold statement for the next week. Are you excited about the new apartment now that you've seen it and you've been there and it's all real and how do you feel about the apartment yes I no, I I do I really liked it it's it's very much what I what it looked like on in the photos and on the video walkthrough it's it's a beautiful apartment you know when things are a change they're just a change so now we have two sort of one little and one massive bathroom that's basically our linen cupboard now and then we're going to two tiny bathrooms which is fine because we're keeping two bathrooms let's let us not complain when we have two bathrooms <laughs> but you know there's I, I have one bathroom that could in this apartment that could be a bedroom as well it's so big and it's got every so many things in it so like I just have to rethink all that you know you just have to rethink all that you get used to having things a certain way and you just have to rethink Yes. Um, the whole process. I mean, when we came here, we, we moved from a, um, like for six bedroom, six bathroom house to a, you know, three to four bedroom apartment. So we, 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 we do know how to make changes. We're not being, um, ridiculous, but it's just, it's just that process now of I'm excited, but now I'm in the whole, well, the packing starts in two weeks. So we really have to, you know, work through those processes. All right. Well, I still do have moving envy and I know that anyone who's currently moving will want to bash me over the head with a um, moving box while I'm saying that because it's also overwhelming when you're doing it. But when you know we're near it, it's really, really I just uh, the thought of an adventure somewhere. <laughs> okay. I tell you what. <laughs> Three favourite things uh, for this week for me. I'll make it quick because I know we're we're sort of going on. But um, I've been making my way through Australian Story and I would thoroughly recommend that to anyone who is maybe sitting on a rowing machine or an exercise bike and needs something to watch or something to do. Australian Story is, of course, on the Australian ABC and uh, they're they're just fantastic sort of 30 minute episodes where they tell the story of an Australian doesn't have to be a celebrity uh, or even a leader in their field it can be just an incredible story of someone I guess I guess if conversations the podcast was a television show it would be Australian story maybe yes Um, uh Yes, yeah Uh, so and the one that I would really recommend for anyone And I guess it's stages of your life. Because my children now range from 15 to 21, we have, you know, adult conversations and far more adult concepts. And I know, Nikki, you and I often talk about the things that we talk about with our kids of how they like to educate us. And uh, (laughs) They know everything. It's so handy. They do. And so often... Oh, so often I get it wrong where I get told that I've used the wrong phrasing, the wrong terminology. You can't say that, mum. You might see it, but you can't say it. And I get it because I do exactly the same with my own mother, but of 
the yes. issues of the day. You can't say that, Mum. I, I still say it now. My mum actually uh, said to me recently, uh, what did she say? Well, if I knew we were going to go to the federal court about this, I would have never have said it because she used a phrase where I was like, you can't say that, Mum. Uh, anyway, so there is a great story of um, Dr. Michelle Telfer. Uh, the, the episode is called A Balancing Act. Uh, Michelle Telfer is world, a world leader in helping children through gender dysphoria and she works with them through their sort of first steps where they're transitioning. Now, obviously, this is a controversial field for some, but really for most of our children's generation, it's not at all. But it's um, uh, really beautifully told in a really respectful way. So it talks about how her job has changed over the years. You also see the stories of um, a, of a couple of children who are now adults Um you, they sort of make their way through. There's a there's parents who are involved in the church and their child's story and how that all sort of fits in it is just beautifully told. And I just I have found Nikki that I now um, over the last few years I now follow a lot more transgender people and I listen to a lot more stories and I have educated myself but I still get it so so wrong in my wording and my ability to you know voice you know to actually get the words out that I know I should be saying but I'm not really saying and so I think that's all you can do is just keep following people on insta and hearing people's stories and listening and sort of educating yourself I guess and I think if there's anyone else that finds that they're feeling in the same way uh, I thought this was a great episode. Nikki, did I tell you that I read Catch of the Decade? No. Okay. No, this is new to me. Right. So I couldn't remember if I'd talked about it before, but anyone who – have you ever seen the website catch.com? No. Okay. So it's like, so. A, it's like an Amazon, I guess. It's basically – uh, I think my kid once again, my kids put me onto it in where they wanted to buy something and you could get it a lot cheaper on catch.com and mum, you should go to catch.com. They have catch of the day, which is whatever product it is that's going for, you know, minuscule amounts. Anyway, so then I saw that the two guys who started catch of the day had written a book and it was getting a lot of um, airtime. And it was really, really interesting in that I hadn't really thought about how these businesses had started. Um, and so these guys uh, basically used to buy and sell things on eBay. And uh, they're originally from Israel and if they had watched their father who he would buy a car, you know, one Saturday, juicy it all up and sell it the next week for more money. You know, that was his way of making more, more money. And so they kind of worked on the same theory of buying things on email, sorry, buying things on eBay, juicing them up, reselling them online. And basically got bigger, 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 where they were working their butts off going and picking up things out of garages and the back of stores and the back of here and whatever. But they saw their business there of how you could get lots of stock from someone who wanted to get rid of it and then resell it. It is a really, for anyone who's 
interested in how the online world works, I just found their story. They now have like a billion dollar business from two guys that were selling junk. Do you know? And they had a yeah. they had a market stall, and they talked about how working in the market stall got them the whole idea of catch of the day in that at the end when the markets were about to close and you still had 20 items of something and you'd stand up on your chair and just start spruiking and that's basically what catch of the day is you know we pick our one thing that we've got a lot of and we're going to work out how to sell it and how to get rid of it anyway um i thought it was a great book you can also download it as an audio book and i think i think it's really worth a listen Uh, The other thing that I've been watching on the water rower is something on Netflix called Feel Good. I've not seen Feel Good. Okay, so it's it's a British comedy drama. Uh, It's semi-autobiographical. It stars Mae Martin, who uh, is a Canadian comedian. Uh, So she plays herself. Uh, Her girlfriend in the show, George, is played by Charlotte Ritchie. And it's uh, the basic premise is May Martin is um, a recovering addict, a narcotics addict, and she meets Charlotte, who's a very middle class British um, uh, woman, and uh, it's their relationship of how it unfolds, of how she has to sort of own up about going to her narcotics anonymous meetings, and. George has to basically come out to all of her friends. Um, it's I think they've had two seasons now. I'm on to the second season. Lisa Kudrow plays um, May's mother and is fabulous. I'm liking it for that whole binge watching on the water roll where you don't have to pay too much attention. Um, I don't know if it would hold up for you know sitting down on the couch and you know set times does that make sense do you have shows like that like the shows the shows that you can watch with your airpods (laughs) i am the queen of those shows okay then my Uh, three all right so i would just like to say that we do talk about these every week but somewhat the um Recently, I recommended a podcast called Smartless and someone who I don't know messaged me and said, I've just listened to my first episode of Smartless and I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Oh, that's so um, nice. People do listen and sometimes take up our recommendations, Kirsty. Actually, I should give a shout out to my friend Danielle at this point because Danielle is in the Remmut Wine Club. And very kindly invited me along to the ladies' remote wine club last week. It was fantastic. But Danielle said to me while we were sitting side by side on the bus on the way to the uh, remote wine club, oh, uh, that meditation podcast that Nikki's listening to, the Insight, I do that. Insight. Yeah, she said, I do that. It's really good. So there you go. (laughs) People are listening to you, Nikki. I'm sure they're listening to you too. I'm just, I'm just saying that is awesome. Okay, I, my three favorite things. So the bold type today is the last episode of the last season of the bold type. So it's the the, the year to end all the things. So the bold type I've talked about before, but it's three girlfriends who work at the fictional magazine Scarlet in three different roles. 
and they end up being a writer, a stylist and in social media and they live their ups and downs and have all their important catch-ups in the fashion closet. So it's kind of like a modern day sex in the city, but not younger. really. It's a They're bit much different. Apparently I, I found out it's inspired by the life and career of former editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan magazine, oh. uh, who's an executive producer of the series. I didn't know that. But anyway, it's the last I'll take some time tonight after dinner to sort of sit and watch the last one and, and feel very, very sad and, and reflection, reflective what about it. What are you going to do? Last week, start last counting week, something. Last week you talked about the end of Younger and now you've got the end I of the know. bold type. Wow. All my series are ending. I need new good series. Okay. The other thing that I'm, I have watched that I didn't know about and I was just one of those, I'm just flicking through Netflix looking for something to watch. I, I started watching Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's about it's it's in a post-apocalyptic world. Um, it was originally a movie that was based on a book, and the movie was directed by Bong Joon Ho of Parasite fame. Ah. Um, but now it's become a Netflix series. So basically, the premise is the one percent have used all the resources of the world, and then they tried carbon sinking the carbon sinking part of the plan, and that didn't work. So the world is frozen. And there's a thousand and one carriage train and it has to go round and round the world. It can never stop. Uh-huh. And there's first, second and third class. And just right at the last minute before the train left the station, all these regular people who couldn't afford to be in any of those classes stormed to the back of the train. So they're locked in a part of the train they call the tail, which is back. Uh-huh. And... Um, so obviously they weren't factored into the whole medical food everything process so it's all about you know what could possibly go wrong uh. it's all about how all those people uh live together on the train which is all the people left in the world and Jennifer Connolly is the voice of the train so oh. you know every morning they hear you know welcome to day whatever on the train and um so it it's just it's just one of those things it's it's not sort of it's I'd say it's drama, but it's just one of those shows that you can just listen to. Probably while you're on the rower, you can watch and listen. <laughs> you don't have to catch every single word that's said, but you can catch a few things and you get the general gist of the whole thing. And then you get sucked into the story and you want to know what's going on behind all the all the bits and pieces of the people in the different classes and how they all interact together. So Snowpiercer, that's, that's my trashy TV of the day. Sorry for anyone that doesn't think that's super trashy. I do know there are some serious fans there. Uh, the other thing I listened to, which I re-listened to with my husband when we drove up to Copenhagen last weekend, is Day X. It's a podcast from the New York Times. Kirstie, have you listened to that? No. Basically, it started appearing in my just my the daily feed that I listen to, the New York Times Daily, which I don't listen to as much anymore. But anyway, it's a separate series that they're doing. And it's done by um, Catherine Benhold, who is the New York Times correspondent in Berlin. And it tells the story of, um, you know, the discovery of a handgun by a maintenance worker at a Vienna airport led to a deep and extensive investigation into how much the far right has infiltrated the police and military in Germany. So they found this this worker finds, and it's in, this is in the opening of the first episode, and it's quite well known story apparently that I didn't know about. But um, they found out the, the the they found a gun, and they decided to wait to see who picked it up, and and someone picked it up, and it turns out it was a German army officer who they interviewed, and then they released. But then when they ran ran his fingerprints, they found out he's listed on their databases as a Syrian refugee. So basically, his plan 
was to stage some sort of criminal event and and um, assassination and then be identified as a refugee. So it would be blamed on a Syrian refugee, the actual act that he committed. So. <sighs> And then, base, and then they went down a rabbit hole of finding all these very uh, scary sort of. The first season is called Shadow Army. So, is it is there a a double sided organization within the armed forces and the police in Germany? And it's it's a pretty scary podcast when you when you think about it. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Obviously, it's of interest to me because it's in Germany. It's about Germany, and I and I live in Germany. Um, I listened to a review on a US podcast who said, "Wow, you know, this does happen in other countries where there's this, all this sort of shadow things going on, and people conspiracy theorists, and because Day X is the day." that all these people who are in these organizations think that the government's going to collapse and then they're going to step in and sort of take over. So they don't have a plan to sort of do the takeover, but just when it happens, they'll be ready to be, to step in on day X. So yeah, I think if you have, it's a really, it's a well done podcast. Um, It's New York times. They've got great production and storytelling. So it it all sort of works really well together. So and it's really interesting. So I strong recommend of Day X there. Excellent. I think that sounds really good. I'm going to put that on my list to watch. Okay, Nikki, we've had lots of reviews and we've been very, very bad that we haven't mentioned them all. And I think this came from when we had, um, was it Phil, Dr. Phil? Who, who? Dr. Phil. Yes, who I can't even remember what Dr. Phil said but of course we had you know you get 10 great reviews and then you get one terrible review and which one do you talk about the terrible one so today we're going to talk about the nice ones and we're going to say thank you and we're going to say thank you to Sonjans 21 from New Zealand who said I tend to listen to the podcast when I'm working in my home country away from my expat home and life when everyone thinks you are present when actually a whole part of your life husband friends condo stuff is carrying on without you I hear you sister she didn't say that I said that I'm saying I hear you Sonjans that's me <laughs> um, especially when enforced COVID separation being able to hear the conversation that reflects what the other life is has turned into a lifeline thank you oh so um the whole idea of doing this podcast was exactly that um when i started writing that was the whole reason of why i started writing was you was thinking there's people out there must be people out there that are doing the same as me that feel the same as me and that's why we do the podcast nikki isn't it is that we think about all the other people that must be feeling the same the same way okay now Nikki this is controversial this is about sound so love the show ladies <laughs> this is from Lamuse from uh, the UAE love the show ladies you're so awesome and relatable and bring important topics to the table I gave it one less star only due to the quality of the sound of the podcast I can imagine there's a whole lot of people out there now going yes um the sound levels seem to change for each presenter and I find myself having to adjust the volume depending on who's speaking I'm aware that these can be difficult things to manage when you're both on either ends of the world but that's it otherwise I love listening to you ladies Lamuse we're going to try something different this week. Nikki and I have had a chat before we started. I think it might be when I edit 
the podcast because I don't have the same editing skills as Nikki, nor do I use the same uh, editing product that Nikki uses. So we're going to do something different today where Nikki edits and gets the sound all right, and then I'll do the bit where I cut out a good 20 minutes of what we talk about. Um, So we'll go with that. Play to your strengths, play to your strengths. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Now, this is from... Fuzzy Wawa from the United States said, I love this podcast for many years. Dr. Phil drove me to add a review. That's because Dr. Phil was nasty. Uh, This is a fantastic podcast that we love to listen to. It's been such a tough 18 months away from family and home. Your podcast has helped us realize that we're not alone. Um, And thank you for your honesty and your transparency. We love it. Okay, thank you very much, Fuzzy Wawa. Uh, this one is from Why, 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 Delilah in South Africa. Sometimes when you feel out of your depth, the knowledge you aren't alone keeps your spirits high and it keeps you moving forward. This is a wonderful podcast. It's so much more than advertised. It is a community which raises you up, makes you laugh, can make you cry, gives you strength and emboldens you. It's a family. It's diverse, global, inclusive, opinionated and supportive, quite simple. It's just what you need. That's a brilliant, oh, thank brilliant you. review. Thank That's you. Very kind. And this last one's from Michaela, and she's from Germany. And I've got a sinking feeling she might even be from Hamburg. Love this podcast. Sinking? What's wrong? <laughs> What's with the sinking feeling? Feels like two good mates discussing all the issues I wonder and worry about as an expat. Uh, Kirsty and Nikki are smart, insightful. They've got a wealth of experience behind them. Look forward to every episode. Thank you, Michaela. That is so, 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 so nice. I did not pay her. I did not. That was just like random. Uh, no. Love, love, Michaela. Okay, yes. So thank you, everyone, for your lovely reviews. It is nice. And we would like to acknowledge everyone and people that message us and write reviews and encourage us to keep going because sometimes it feels like there's no one listening. But knowing there is makes us feel better. <laughs> Okay, Nikki Muffer, I'm going to speak to you next week where hopefully I may have a husband in the country who will be locked in a hotel room, but I will be able to drive past and wave at him, which will be a lot better than our current situation. Let's see what happens. Wish me luck. Keep your fingers and toes crossed. And all my fingers and toes crossed. And I will be thinking about you because I know you've got all sorts of dentists and doctors and all sorts of appointments that we can talk about next week when you tell us all how wonderfully it all went. Mm. Okay. All fingers right. crossed for that too. Okay. All right. Speak to you later. Bye.